Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist knows how to describe it, doesn't he? Psalm 8, which is what you just heard, that our Lord has created something incredible. And the fact that our creator God is so significant, how is it that he's mindful of us? You know, just watching the stars you know, at night during the fall, it's my favorite time of the a season of the year and just being able to look at the skies and, and you start seeing on those clear nights the, you know, the belt of the Milky Way and then other stars and planets as, as you can see with your, your naked eye and then you look upon the moon when it's full, even adding binoculars to it, you can see uh, just the, the, the surface of the moon with its incredible beauty and then you realize that the God who created all of that knows you and knows you well, and created you very specially. In fact, we're gonna look at that this morning here today, and we're going into Genesis not to discover how God created things, although Genesis communicates that. We're going to Genesis because I think we have to understand why God created mankind, and we need to know why, who that God is, to understand his character, his holiness, and his power, and his desire for relationship, his intent for mankind, so that then we can have relationship with him and understand why Jesus had to come at all. And so we are now into the, the final day of creation. We've looked at Genesis 1 and 2, where in the beginning, before anything had been created yet, God already was eternally existent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see the evidence of that within the text alone in verses one and two. And then we looked at how in those days that came after that there's an amazing God that created all these things that are there just by the mere mention of a word coming off of his lips. His character being good, that all things he created all he needed to say it was it was good, sufficiently good. Nothing else needed to, to state to be able to qualify the term. It's complete. 
And that's the God that we have in creating this. And so we're gonna continue on into the text. We stopped in the middle of day six last week, and we're gonna pick that up today. So if you could turn in your Bibles to the very, very, very beginning, to Genesis chapter one. And if you do not have a Bible, our ushers would be glad to provide you uh, one at this time. We also utilize a Bible app called the YouVersion Bible app. And if you go into the YouVersion Bible app, tap on events, and then you'll see LEFC is one of the churches there. Tap on that, and you'll get the scriptures we are using today. And for those of you that are using uh, paperback Bibles, um, you can go to also Psalm 139. We'll be there here in a few minutes. Uh, so again, Genesis 1, and then we'll eventually be in Psalm 139. Well, I don't have to worry about you finding Genesis. It's the beginning of the book, so no matter what Bibles you're using, it is right there at the beginning. We're gonna start there and jump right in at verse 26. Uh, so can you join me there? So verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has, that has fruit will seed in it. They will be your food, yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath and life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. We will go into chapter two next week and we'll hear a little bit more about the resting of God on day seven. But the creative work, the, the work of God is now complete on this day. He had said good at the end of each day, but with the final day, with the pinnacle of his creation being mankind made in his image, as he collected his thoughts, he says, it's very good. He qualifies the term as to the higher excellence and saying that he loves what he has now accomplished. Now in this text, we get a sense that something is very different. Now, we're, you're not reading in the Hebrew. But in the Hebrew, in verse 26, when it says, then God said, let us make mankind, it's in future tense. John Calvin, who was tearing apart this text as he was studying it, was realizing there's a uniqueness to verse 26 as compared to some of the other days that are there, that there's this collective pause. Let us. Let's, we're about to do something here. Let us make mankind in our own image. And Calvin referred to this as the great consultation. The consultation of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is part of their creation. They're now looking at this final moment where the pinnacle of what they're making is going to be a creature that is similar and like and made in the image of them. 
So they kind of had this consultation where we're, we're about to make man. And they look at each other as, there's no going back. We're doing this. Now what could have been happening in that moment? Perhaps they're considering that when we create this creature in our image, we know what comes next. They will defy us. They will work away from us. They will bring bloodshed on the face of the earth. And we will do battle to fight back for them. Ultimately, Jesus being the one that will go and bring the final nail to be able to pay for the cost of their sin. You see, for them, they already knew the story of everything that was going to be written in the history of mankind that was yet to happen. They knew. So when they said, let us, it's going to happen in this moment, they look at each other, as I would imagine in my mind, and say, we're doing this. It's worth the price to pay to create a creature that we can have a relationship with. How beautiful. And then what we see in verse 26 and 27 is three times God saying, we are going to create mankind in our image. Imago Dei. Latin for in the image of God. So God creates mankind, Adam in the Hebrew, which is Adam by name. We will make him in our image, Imago Dei. And we are doing so with delight. We are doing so with desire. There isn't a hesitation. They go forward, even knowing what was going to happen. But this was something unique. This was going to be part of their creation that would rule as they rule. We are going to be able to direct things here on the face of this earth. We're going to be able to procreate we're going to be able to interact with God, with language. Now, when you hear this, we know how creatures look. We know how the things of the sea look. We know how the birds of the air look. And we know how we look. Yet nothing in all the other creation does it say, but this looks like God other than us. Which then makes us wonder, well, how does God actually look? When it says that we're made in his image and we're like him, well, like him in what? We know in nature, in, 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 in the case of nature, he's holy and we're not. But originally, Adam and Eve were created with the sinless nature. But there's some things in scripture when you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation and all 66 books that there are tidbits that we get that puts together a picture that we can realize there is similarity. God is not man. Man is, has a body form. God is other. But there's similarity. There's likeness. You see, we know that there's some kind of form to God because even when Moses was given opportunity to see God, he was only allowed to see his back while God put his hand to cover the rest. So there's some kind of body form, but yet he's spirit. 
God feels. We know he has emotions. That's written in scripture. We see those emotions stated. We also recognize that, he, that it's mentioned several times that he uses his hands. We know that God sees. We know that God hears. We know that God smells. Have you ever thought about that? That God smells. In fact, we know that what he enjoys smelling is this burning incense that's at his throne room right there around him where he smells. And that incense is the prayer of the saints. How beautiful is that? That what God enjoys ingesting through his senses of his smell is to smell our prayers that come up before him. We know that God tastes at least enough to spit one out. He says, if you do not walk, but that was the way I would want to walk, and yet you claim to be walking with me, I spit you out. So God spits. <laughs> we know that God speaks. That's all over Genesis 1 that we've just read. And to be faithful and, and uh, considering of those who just led worship, our worship pastor said, don't forget Zephaniah 3.17, which says, God sings. God sings over us. How amazing is that? So we're hearing in this that while God is other, we are made in the likeness of him, in him and of the image of him. And so there are things about us that we know are similar and like God. But obviously, he has it to greater power and greater skill and greater capacity. But what we have is similar because that's the way he's made us. Now, in particular, not only did he make us for relationship, which we'll get into more next week, and actually the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about the uniqueness of relationship between God and man. But when you look at this, you can see that there is a uniqueness that beyond the relationship, God gives the mankind the ability to rule in creation like no other creature. There is no other creature on the face of this earth that can have a powerful effect on things in the sea, that can have a powerful effect on the things that walk along the land, and yes, even a powerful effect to affect things in space. Now, limited, absolutely, but possible, which is crazy when you think about it that we're just a small reflection of the capacity of God. Now, as we were talking last week that why is it important to go back into Genesis to understand why Jesus needed to come is that within Genesis, God created within us the desire to know him and want to know him and to have a sense of purpose and inspiration. And if you take God out of the equation of creating us, where do you find purpose as a human being? Where do you find inspiration or significance? And I shared with you last week that, that most of the Western governments of the world are spending billions of dollars to be able to discover our origins. When I got home from church last Sunday, the top news story of the day was NASA was able to bring for the first time back to the Earth substance and material from an asteroid. 
Do you read it? It was fascinating. It's never happened before. So in 2017, they launched a rocket with a capsule on it that was gonna, it was gonna land on a asteroid. So they made it work mathematically. It was gonna take three years to cause it to be able to do so safely. It gets to that asteroid, takes a sample, and then it takes a three-year journey to come back. So in 2020, it connects with the asteroid. In 2023, this past Sunday, it brings that substance and material from that asteroid back to Earth. NASA was excited, super excited. And when asked, why did we spend all this money to make this? And why are you so excited about a sample from an asteroid? And I'm not kidding you. This is what was said. It's because we as human beings wanted to know our origins. I was like, huh, sounds like a good series name. You see, God has built within us the desire to know because if we know our origins, it gives us a sense of who we are and why we are the way we are and then it gives us a, a way to know what to pursue because if there's something within that revelation that we are to pursue, then we're going to do it. And as I shared last week, science while they might start off with a hypothesis that often, not always, with a hypothesis that says there is no God, if we understand that science is always pursuing truth and you believe that God is the source of all truth, science is always gonna land in the right place. It temporarily can be wrong for 40 and 50 years sometimes, but it will keep going and pointing and saying, there's a God, figure it out. There's a God. So we spend billions in the meantime and we as a church should let science play, its, play out its work. And then as they start discovering that there is a God, a creator of the universe, we welcome them. We welcome them with warmth and say, now let me introduce you to that God. That God who has created us with the ability to rule and do an incredible amount of, of things was also, I need to tell you this very specifically, and this is gonna sound a little bit of a, a jab, but it's, it's truth, and so I have to say it. Humanity did not evolve. It was created on that day out of a dust and a rib. Let me go to Genesis chapter two for a moment. So Genesis chapter two is a fuller statement of chapter one. So on day six, when there was a lot that was going on on day six in creation, you know, we're just told God chose three times. He's gonna create mankind in his image. He's gonna rule over the creatures of the earth. And, and then he, we're told what we're supposed to eat at that point. And thank goodness he changed the rules on being able to eat meat later because I come from Kansas City and we eat meat a lot. <laughs> Vegetarian, I am not. But in verse seven of chapter two, what does it say? It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his, into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Okay, so a theory in science is evolution is that there is in macroevolution the suggestion that one creature becomes another creature. And what God says is, well, no, there is substance that becomes another substance, but it's not creature to different creature. It's earth, dust, that becomes man. In fact, dust has nothing living in it. 
It has nutrients by which things that are living can draw from, but in and of itself, there's nothing living in dust. Nothing. Which is what I have here. It might look like coffee grounds to some of you, and that would give great delight to other, some of you, but this is actually dirt taken from our property. It's just regular old dirt. This is what we came from. It's what we came from. When we die, we go back to that. From dust we came, and dust we will return. It's often stated at graveside services, right? But here's the difference. This dust has no life. But when God blows on it, it takes on life. Because the very life that all of us receive come from the breath of God. Sorry if I got that on you, Coxes. I, my apologies. Dangers of sitting on front row. But here's the thing. That which had no life received life because of the source of God. And just so you know, that there is something to the fact that there is a connectivity to other living creatures. Let me go to verse 19 of chapter two. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what the, he would name them, whatever the man called them, uh, called each living creature, that was its name. Do you hear that? All the living creatures flying in the air and on the surface of the ground also come from this. But it did, they did not have life because there's no life in this. It was the breath of God. God did not need to work through a long span of things to be able to make the crown jewel of his creation, mankind. He only needed but his breath. And what makes it miraculously Impossible to understand is that he took dirt and breathed on it and was able to create Adam, Adam. Pretty beautiful. But I want to highlight something in here. So when it says three times in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, it says that three times that God's going to create them, create mankind in his own image. So in verse 27, it says, so God then created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay. So... In order for the fullest expression of the image of God to ever be possible, it would be insufficient to stop with just man. It requires women, females. In other words, if God had stopped with just one, we would have only gotten a half a picture of his likeness. But together, male and female, we can have a more full picture of the likeness we bear towards God. This is a beautiful thing. And what I love is how God creates something unique out of this. And so when you continue on in Genesis chapter two, verses 21 to 22, it's not dust by which he makes woman. 
It's something else. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Equally powerful and amazing was that, yes, God breathed onto creatures of the earth, took dust and just breathed on it, and it became creatures. He took more dust and then created man out of those. And then he did something crazy where he took a rib and was able to create a woman. Now, I thought about, I asked my team, is there a way that I could show a rib? And every way we came up with it, it's just gonna be gross. So I'm gonna ask you, to humbly respond to what I'm asking you to do right now. Would you touch one of your ribs just right now? All right, we're touching a rib, right? All of us here have that. Now imagine that's what God used to create the most beautiful creature on the face of the earth. Women. Isn't that amazing? It's equally amazing. Now you could say, well, the bone becomes, it's part of flesh, so there's life there. Yes, but still, how amazing that God simply can take that bone and in a single moment create a woman. Now you have the fullest expression of what it means to be made in the image of God. And together, collectively, men and women, we then bear the resemblance, the likeness, the image of God together. Now, as difficult as this may seem to our mind to comprehend that just the mere breath of God can create such creatures, think about this. Since the DNA chain was uncoded around 1999 and 2000, we've discovered that mankind is 99.9% identical. So our DNA, each of us here in this room, are 99.9% identical. But we don't look alike hardly at all. Other than we have similar structures to this body and similar capacities to this body, we all look very different from each other. But it's all found in 0.1%. Now, why I want to drive this home is there are currently 8 billion people on the face of this earth. Each of them unique, identifiable as individual, not like anybody else. Again, we are as similar to somebody born here as born in Southeast Asia on a remote island that have never been off of that island. We are 99.9% .9 identical to them. There is 0.1% difference between us all which then means, look at the capacity of God that he can create such uniqueness at a 0.1%. We're just talking about the eight billion alive now. Imagine the billions that have already lived and the billions yet to come. Each one will be born unique and identifiable, not same, 
99.9% identical, but 0.1% difference, which makes for everything. Now I'm gonna drive that point home with this. We are like 86% similar to a banana in our DNA. But I don't struggle with that because that 14% is quite significant. If you and I are 0.1% different from each other, all of us, 8 billion plus people, billions and billions beyond the 8 billion, are all separated by 0.1%. And in that 0.1%, uniquely different, then a banana is as far from being our ancestor as possible. It also means that the chimpanzee, which is 94% like us, is miles away. I mean, we're talking millennia away from being similar to us. Because just a single full percent would create different creatures. And yet we are 0.1% away from each other. Now, how does God create 0.1% difference and come up with what we see even in this room? There's just a few hundred of us here in this room right now. And yet we're all uniquely different. What has God done that has created that 0.1% to be special? So let's go to Psalm 139. And the psalmist does an amazing job considering this. David was clearly pondering these things as he, you know, we heard from Psalm 8 where he's looking at the sky and realizing how significant it is. But now he's considering his own hands, his own body, and, and, and the nature of all those around him. But look at what he says in Psalm 139, the first 16 verses. It says this, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my, uh, my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, and for the darkness is as light to you. For you created me, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my, you, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. David 
began with thinking about the present. God already knows my capacity. God knows the patterns of my daily activities. He knows my thoughts. He knows my words before I've ever spoken them. He knows my days before one of them has even been lived. And then it goes deeper and he realizes and he says, this is possible because you make me in the secret place. You knit me together in your mother's womb. You know my inner being, which is the heart and soul. And our frame is not hidden from his full view. Our story is already written in full. 0.1%. If you've ever watched a person knit something, every stitch has the eye upon it. It is making something beautiful. So too is what God does in the womb. That even before the dust has even been made, when there's an unformed body, he is then collecting his thoughts about how he is going to make you, you. In the secret place. Your full being, once finished, is not hidden from his view. And it's not just your physical being. He says your inner you, your inner being, I also created. I know your soul. That's God's 1.1%. And here's the thing. If God took that kind of intimate detail into creating each of us unique, then you have to understand why the church continues to be an ambassador for the right of a child to live. Because yes, yes, each child is made in the image of God. But I also take this as, a, as an adult human being. It's like, as David did, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you're mindful of him? If you've done all these things in creating the universe and then you created us with such special care, which would explain then why God has gone to great efforts to restore us to his image. You see, God is at work right now restoring us to his image through Jesus. The aha moment for me this week as I was preparing this sermon is I've, all, I've known since I've been studying scripture that as we come into a relationship with Jesus, he is regularly uh, transforming us to be more made into his likeness and to becoming like him. But I never connected it to the language of Imago Dei. That when sin, sin entered this world through Adam and Eve, the, the image of God that mankind bears upon itself becomes distorted because there's a part of man now that is incomplete and is fallen and broken and, and there's nothing fallen and broken about God. So when God is doing his work through Jesus in our lives, he is restoring us to being image bearers. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18 captures this so well. It says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil or that which keeps us blinded to who God is, is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into what? Into his image. With an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as the Spirit does his work in us, as we're in a relationship with Jesus, he is transforming us to look more and more like Jesus, the image of our creator. Colossians chapter three, verses nine and 10 says this, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. When we have been forgiven of all of our sins, we're being given an opportunity to new life. And that new life, as we understand it and learn more, is to create that knowledge that leads us to a life that puts us more in step with the image of its creator. Which then means, as we live that out, we're being, becoming better reflections of our creator, God. So here's some charges I would like to give you from off of this day is that in order for us to become better image bearers, we need to study and model the life of Jesus, the new Adam, that we may yield to the Spirit's work in transforming us into the Creator's likeness. We are in need of a constant work. And Jesus is doing that work through His Spirit in us. We want to bear the image of God. We want that likeness becoming more crystal clear and, and not distorted. And as he says in that Colossians 3, where it says we should be renewed in our minds by shaking off these old clothes. When we were saved from something, why do we return to it? We need to ditch the old clothes of the former way of our lives so that we can increasingly reflect the image of our creator. You see, it's not just about us. It's about other people. And when we ditch the old clothes of how we used to live and we take on the new clothes of the life that's found in Christ, then we begin to reflect the brightness of our creator. And others who have the veils over their eyes see it and they realize that's the origin they're seeking for. Which then leads me to the third statement. And this is coming from Peter. Peter we should be prepared to give an answer to their questions as to what it is that we're reflecting. We should be prepared. And I might say, we should all welcome people watching our lives. If Jesus is in you, we should welcome people watching our lives so that they can see Jesus through you. How else will they know the origin of their life if there isn't, are not people that are living a transformed life being made more crystal clear that they are made in the image of God. Let's pray. So Jesus, I acknowledge that without your light being shined upon my heart, I would be very dark in the soul and I would be reflecting nothing that would be worthy of receiving. But you as the light, changing me, then I can reflect the light that it can change somebody else's life. Thank you, Jesus, for being that new Adam that gives us new life so we can know exactly the creator we worship. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.
and respond to that truth that God has created us and he wants to dwell with us and that he has given that image where we can reflect. So we can respond with just the pouring out of our praises to this other God that we get to call our Father. So let's respond. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So if you're a part of the 0.1%, which is all of you, realize that God took the time to create you. He took his time, crafted you very specifically to be you. And then he created you with such value that you were worth dying for. That's the story of God. And that's the story of us. And as we then journey closer to him, then we can better understand his image and better reflect it. And then others can begin to understand their origins and seek their creator God and discover the story of God's son, Jesus. If you'd like to talk with someone, we have people that'll be in the prayer room, the encounter room that's to my left that would be glad to talk with you. Feel free to, spend, to go there with any burden or prayer request. I'll also be up front as well. But go sharing the light of Jesus, our creator, our creator of the point one that makes us unique, amen. You're dismissed.